talk radio. It all started when I was a kid, driving around with my dad, and he'd have the radio turned to WJR in Detroit, and we'd listen to J.P. McCarthy, famous name in early talk radio. And I even listen on Saturdays. Saturdays isn't the best. Apparently, there's some kind of law that wherever you are on Saturdays, talk radio has to be about investing. Anybody come across that? I mean, there's some great advice, too. I was listening to a guy yesterday, and he was talking about how, you know, to be a day trader and then the philosophies and uh, the businesses you can partner with and, and how there's a guy who every 90 days reads 200 spreadsheets and he knows the movements of the market and you can invest in the day. And, and I listened to this for, for perhaps 45 minutes in my travels, and I did nothing about it. I did not, I, I made a note, hey, tell people about this tomorrow. <laughs> and that is my great fear this morning, is that you will listen to all that I have studied and put together, being believed that I have been led by the Spirit of God to present this to you. You will hear it carefully, even remember things, but you will do nothing. It is a great fear of mine this morning. Because what I have for you here today is likely something you've not spent much time thinking about. Even though you may have grown up in the church, perhaps gone to some really good schools. But my friends, I I want to carefully urge you to listen intently that you might understand and act. For I believe, honestly, you know, this is not some presentation hoping to get a good grade here, that this will change your life. So listen carefully, if you will. And I want to encourage you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. And let's pray together. God help us, I believe we have this great opportunity sitting right in front of us here today. God, there is a danger that we will miss it. Spirit of God, I pray that... That, God, you would open our eyes, keep us free from distraction today, that we might hear this truth, that we might understand it, and that we might be changed because of it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You and I have a problem. We know this. It's, it's a common problem. Uh, you know, in, in Portage, it seems people aren't very good at actually stopping at stop signs. That's not what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about sin. And you know what sin is? Sin is the inherent selfishness that everyone comes into the world with. And then some of us get better at it than others. You know, we, we learn to, to build a monument to ourselves, and everything surrounds us. Everything we do is about us. And we give much, uh, very little thought about the people around us. And sin can consume us. It is a deadly thing. The scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death. Friends, we're, we're using the word death here. The one way to destroy your life without hardly any effort at all is to continue on in your sin. Now you and I both know and we know very well that Christ died for our sin and he rose from the dead. 
And he died that we might be set free from the penalty of sin in order that we might be reconciled to him. So we get to this point, and I hope if you have not got there, today will be the day for you. That you realize sin has destroyed your life. It consumes you in your relationships, in your thoughts, in your lusts. And you say, enough. And you put your faith in Jesus Christ today. But then the question comes, then what? Is everything lolly-dolly? Well, we're forgiven, so it doesn't matter what happens next. My friend, how then shall you live? Perhaps a question not enough people are asking these days. How do we live in light of this sin You know, trusted Christ, maybe it was recent, maybe it was oh so long ago, my friends, but you know very well, you continue on in sin. It's not enough to say, well, everyone does it, so it's okay. It certainly ought not to be acceptable to the people of God. So what next? How do we live? How do we overcome this sin? Well, my friends, I would recommend to you that the first step in overcoming sin in your own life that steals joy and blinds you from all opportunities and goodness of God is to make some good choices. You've got to choose first and foremost between two different roads. I want you to notice in verse 16 of chapter 5, we have some choices to make. Paul says, but I say, and here we have these, these, this, 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 Four words that seem to be clear but uh, confusing all at once. I say, walk by the Spirit. Why, Paul? And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And we have two different roads here, my friends. You can walk by the Spirit or you can gratify the desires of the flesh. And you know what I'm talking about here, friends. Think about it. Hunger pain is a great, great example. There is no actual explanation of hunger pain. You know what hunger pain is? You thought about food and you can't stop thinking about it and now you want some. No pain involved with that. You know what's going on, that that growling in the stomach? That's not your body saying, oh, everybody eat, hurry, get something to eat. All your body is doing is saying, Hey, this dude usually eats about now. I better get ready for it. That's all that is. That growling stomach doesn't say you're going to die soon if you don't shove something in your mouth. Get a donut for heaven's sakes. It's not how it works, friends. You know, first thing we need to realize is that we have these lusts, these desires that our body says, sit down, do nothing, take a nap, fold your hands, go to sleep. You know, my friends, if we listen to what our body told us, half the time we'd we'd just be in a coma at home and we wouldn't be able to move. My friends, we got to say no to that. I'm not talking about living a healthy lifestyle and taking those vitamins I hear about on the radio. (laughs) Friends, I'm talking about recognizing that we have these desires, and we've got to learn to say no to ourselves. One of the most difficult things that you will do in your life is say no to yourself. But I really want to, and nobody's watching, and it won't matter. It's only one time, and we have this whole list of excuses why it's okay to live that way. But my friends, there's two ways, two roads. 
gratifying the desires of the flesh, a walking by the Spirit. And I want you to notice what Paul says. He says, if I say walk by the Spirit, and if you do this, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, friends, it's a difficult battle you're going to fight. And the only way to victory is to walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but at this point I said, what does he mean by walk by the Spirit? And what does it mean? It means to, you know, in this section we're going to look at, we're going to look at four different kind of prepositions related to the Spirit of God. You know, here in verse 16, we are walking by the Spirit. In verse 18, we are led by the Spirit. You know, in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Now, we certainly know it has something to do with a relationship with God and His Spirit at work in us. But what does it mean? It means being enabled by the Spirit to live out God's will. I want to say that one more time. Being enabled by the Spirit to live out God's will for your life. You know, we live in our own strength and we, we want to discipline ourselves, which is wonderful. But my friends, there are some things you cannot do by your own will. You cannot do it. Only by the Spirit of God can you overcome this. It is your very flesh, my friends, who fight against you. We must walk by the Spirit, being enabled by the Spirit to live out God's will. You know, there are a couple of passages that speak to this issue. One of them is found in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. A little context for this. Ezekiel, as you know right away, hey, he's one of those uh, tribulation, or tribulation, <laughs> oh my goodness, captivity prophets. Ezekiel prophesied during the time when Israel, because of their sin, was removed from the land and they went into captivity. And yet God did not forsake them. This was an act of discipline, not hatred. And as you know, discipline is an act of love. And God, teaching them at this time, told them about what was yet to come. Because of this everlasting, frustrating battle, just reading through the Old Testament and watching the rebellion of the people of God, even while they're seeing the power of God move among them. And yet they would turn their back on God. But God said these words to them in Ezekiel 36. He says, uh, this is what the God said he would do. He said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put within you, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk by my statutes. Think about it. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, it is astounding. In Philippians 2.13, God says that he will uh, do this work in us, both to work and to will. To will and to work according to his good pleasure. Think about it. God has given us his spirit, oh, for so many reasons, my friend, too many to list here. But one of those reasons is for the spirit of God to work in you to want to do what God has caused you to do. 
Is the spirit of work in your life? You know what? That often looks, uh, looks like guilt in my life. If I am not following the promptings of the spirit of God, then, then I am convicted by the spirit of God. But the Spirit of God uses all sorts of circumstances in your life. Yours are different than mine, but the Spirit of God is using all of them to bring us to a point where we want to do what it is that God has called us to do. Walk by the Spirit is to walk in the power of the Spirit of God in order to do the will of God. And my friends, if you're walking in the power of the Spirit of God, learning to long to do what it is that God has called us to do, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. The two are impossible, my friends. So being able to being able by the Spirit of God to live out God's will, and it becomes a habitual way of life. That is that metaphor of walking. Walking means your whole lifestyle, the manner of how you live. And my friends, it's a good opportunity now to just measure it up. Does this sound like the way you've been living? You know? Waiting for the promptings of the Spirit of God as, as you listen and read the Word of God by yourself. Maybe listen to some preacher on the radio and you learn these new truths and the Spirit of God says, yes, walk in this way. You don't hear a voice, but you know it's the right way to go. My friends, when you walk in the power of the Spirit of God, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It is the only way to victory, my friends. It is the only way to victory. The problem here is universal for us. While we may even know about our sin, and we, we often will excuse our sin or, or, or ask for pardon, but we really have no intention to stop. And friends, I want to I just encourage you to consider that for just a moment, that you could stand before God and say, I want your forgiveness, but I have no intention of changing. Can you imagine it? I have no intention of saying no to my lust. Well, nobody wants to say it, but is that really where you want to be? In these days, one who sits with a hardened heart says, I will continue on. I will not be proud of it, but I will do it. Friends, that is a lifestyle of death. And so, friends, if you're going to overcome your sin, you must choose not only between two different roads walking by the Spirit as opposed to gratifying the desires of your flesh, you must also over choose between two different desires. Two different desires. Look at here in verse 17. Verse 17. Paul says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Every time you sin and you choose it, nobody sins on accident, my friend. You know very well what your choice is and you take it. Arrogantly and hardened and shaking your fist at God metaphorically or literally. Sin is a choice. Sin is a choice. 
And my friend, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, contrary to the spirit. One lifestyle or another, you are either with God or you are against God. There is no neutral territory. And how is it that we can walk with the name of Christ in our lives and say, I am a Christian, but live in such a way? My friends, I plead with you that we all together as a church begin this change of saying enough of this sin in my life. I will begin to say no. I mean, make a choice, friends. Pick something right now, a sin that you are aware of. I'll wait a moment while you think about that. A sin that is in your life that you know about, you have done nothing about. Go ahead and name it. I don't want to hear it out loud, friends. This isn't about me and you, unless it is about me and you. Have you got it? Now, how about we start there? How about today we say no? Whatever it might be, maybe it has something to do with the sin of the tongue, words that you speak, your vocabulary that dishonors God. Maybe it's about the subjects that you talk about that certainly you would only say in the darkness. And yet wherever you are, the God of the God of light shines light on it. Wherever it is, how about today we say no? And how about if we trip and fall, we don't say, oh well, and move on. How about we learn from it? How about we dissect it and say, what happened here? Why did I choose this? What was in my mind that enabled me to turn my back on God and choose sin today? How about we take some time and we actually evaluate it, begin fighting the battle and honoring God with our choices? Well, my friends, to overcome sin, you must choose between two very different desires. The fact is the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. That flesh, again, is, is these desires that we have that are contrary to what God has called us to live. I'm not talking about promptings of the Spirit to do good or to do right. I'm talking about more, give me, I want more, I want bigger, I want more frequent, I need it, give it to me. Learning to say no to yourself, my friends. Discipline the body. Yeah, but but by my stomach, you can say no. You've just chosen not to. I'm not just talking about eating, my friends. I'm talking about the lusts and the desires for more, to look good for the opinion of others, whatever it is you're chasing that is not for the glory of God. It's time to say no. Well, my friends... The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, my friends, but know this also. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul talked about this in Romans 7. He says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. It is a battle. 
It is not someone else's fault. It is not, well, they made me do it. Nobody makes you do it. If there is sin in your life, it is because there is sin in you. And you must choose the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against this, my friends. But look at it in verse 18, and I love this little, little uh, word, but. This, this, is, this may be true, and you are fighting against the desires of the flesh that are there from the moment you are awakened, even in your dreams, my friends. The moment you hit the pillow at night, it is a battle. But... If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under its condemnation. You are not under its burden. One of the dangers in every discipline is to begin to formulate rules and say the way out of my sin is by my own discipline and I shall make charts and I shall. But the answer, my friend, is not your rules The law could not set anyone free from their sin. It only brought condemnation. The answer is the work of the Spirit of God and the child of God. All for the glory of God. My friends, fight the battle. Fight the battle. Make the choices. You have to choose between two different roads and two different desires. But I'll tell you this, my friend, your choice comes with consequences, as they always do. We make our choices, then we live with the consequences. But know very clearly here today, my friends, the two different results of choosing one over the other. Paul tells us in verse 19, the works of the flesh... Now the works of the flesh are evident. You give in to your desires, this is what you get. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, and strife, and jealousy, and fits of anger, and rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, and envy, and drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. My friends, this is no way to live. Sin divides. It separates us from our God and it separates us from our families, our church, and the people God has called us to love. Two very different results. And I want you to notice here at the end of verse 21, Paul gives a very severe warning And he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, if this is the lifestyle of giving into the flesh, this is not the mark of a child of God. A child of God, Paul says, The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit is direction. When the Spirit of God shows you the way to go, you must choose it. You must be enabled by the Spirit of God. You must be led by the Spirit of God. And my friends... 
realize this, the fruit of the Spirit of God in our life. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, what is it by choosing to be led by the Spirit of God and empowered by the Spirit of God? What is the result? Well, my friends, the fruit of the Spirit is love. I want you to notice the word fruit is singular. It is not, you might get some of this and you might get some of that and you can choose a little bit of that. But this is the result of the Spirit of God working in your life. You will know love and joy and peace. You will be patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle. You will have self-control and against such things there is no law. But know this, my friends, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its desires with its passions and its desires. This is how we must live if we are to overcome this sin. God has given us the victory. He has given us the power. It is not in your struggle that you will overcome. It is not in your, your cleverness, in your charts, in your small groups. My friends, it is the work of the Spirit of God and all of us working together, encouraging one another, praying for one another. But note this, my friends, in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And what does that mean? Think about keeping in step with the Spirit. The other day I went to Chicago with a friend. And uh, we were walking through the streets. There's people coming one direction and another. And friends, what does it mean to keep in step? It's about pace, it's about direction, it's about nearness. Certainly you've been to a, a state fair or some other event and you keep losing people because their eyes are caught on something else, you know? I remember as a child actually being at a Michigan State Fair and, uh, <laughs> you know, watching some lights and they're spinning around and I reached up to grab my father's hand and it wasn't my father. <laughs> and my friends, that's how it ends up when, you, when you're distracted by the lights and the desires and the, the wonder that is out there that says, come to me. And in that whisper and in invitation, you can almost hear the hiss of the serpent. Come away. Walk with me. And you have to say no. You have to say no every single time. Not every once in a while or mostly. You have to say no. You have to say no. Walk with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Because, my friend, surrendering to the Spirit is the key to victory over sin. That's your sermon in a sentence, by the way. Surrendering to the Spirit is the key to victory over sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. I don't know if your parents told you that, but they sure told me. There is no secret. You can hide it from me, but you cannot hide it from God. And it is destroying you, my friends. It is destroying you. 
little by little, step by step, little by little. So I call you here this morning to change your mind about sin, to see what it is. When you sin, my friends, I encourage you to, image, to see your sin like vomit on the dinner table. Who would eat in a place like that? Who would live there? Vomit on it. Imagine as clear as you can a dog vomiting out and then going back to eat it. That's the way Peter imaged it. Exactly. Thank you, Rhoda. <laughs> yes, be disgusted by your sin, my friends. Sin is attractive. It has a lovely voice and it calls to you, but you must see it as it is. Death, vomit, the most horrific thing you can imagine. Change your mind about sin. It is vile. And choose to walk by the Spirit. You cannot do it in your own power. You cannot. Though you mean well, my friends, you must have the power of the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit does not go, then don't go. The Spirit does not lead, my friends. Don't go there. And if you don't know whether it is that God would have you to do, ask, ask, ask to be led by the Spirit that his way might be clear to you. What does it feel like? I don't know about you, but growing up with my parents, they both had different sorts of influences, you know, and when I was in a situation, I didn't really know what to do. Some as simple and benign as what to choose for dinner in a buffet. You know, and I would hear a thought in my head, my dad would choose the fish. Well, I don't care for fish, but I knew what was healthiest. I have a wife who chooses fish for me too. It's one of the reasons this sweater is not so tight. Choose what is right and what is good, my friends. Choose the way of the Spirit of God. My mom, my mom's voice in my head was something like, do not shame your mother. Your mom would never do that. She would never say that. You would never do that in front of your mother. Don't do it. Well, my friends, that was me as a child. Now I think... How would God be glorified in this? Would he be shamed? Would I bring shame on the name of his church, on my family, my wife, and my children? It is a battle. I battle with sin every day, my friends. Join me there. Let us learn to say no. See as that is, is, my friends, it is death, it is poison. There's some weird thing going on where people are eating laundry detergent. Have you seen this? These little bubble packs full of, and they're vomiting. You say, how stupid can you be? I'm sorry for that word, that's offensive, but it's true. And if you think that is foolish, my friend, how much more so for a child of God to willfully sin against him let it not be so in your life.